Hello and welcome to another edition of Deeper. It is so good to have you join us this week. And uh, we are going to be looking at the passage I preached on on Sunday. I was encouraged you to, to watch the sermon, uh, only because uh, there's quite a lot in this passage. Uh, there's so much to draw out of it, really. Uh, and I certainly won't be drawing on some of the things I preached on. So just to make sure the, the video doesn't go on too long. We don't want that, do we? So uh, watch the sermon. But I also want you to read the passage. And the passage is Exodus 33, verses 12 to 23. So press pause, read the passage, and then restart the video. So fantastic. Uh, so the context here is a conversation with Moses and God. Um, God has uh, already said to them that you know he wants them to, to move from the place that they're in. Um, and the, the probably, it's probably in the tent of meeting. That's what the indication is from the, the, the passage before. Uh, and in this conversation, we see some really important things come out. It starts at the beginning, verse 12. Uh, Moses says to God, you've not yet told me who's going to come with me. And it's important to note that uh, in chapter 32, verse 34, God has already said that an angel would lead them. Um, but not yet kind of given any indication to Moses how that would look, what it would be like. Uh, and Moses here is looking for clarification. And of course, as I said on Sunday, he's pretty much on his own at this point. Uh, Aaron and Miriam, who are his seconds of command, have been no use at all. They've encouraged the whole Israelite camp to worship a golden calf. Uh, and it's Moses alone who was standing between God and the people and interceding on their behalf, but also trying to encourage them into the path that God wants them to take in terms of how they behave and how they worship and all those kind of things. And of course, that is all drawn out in the commands that God gives to Moses. Um, important thing to know here that when, when uh, Moses says that you have said, God, that you know me by name, uh, that is not simply just God knowing Moses' name. That is that's saying something much deeper. That is saying something about how well and how intimately God knows Moses. Uh, so it's, a, it's about the depth of relationship there. Uh, and he says, you know, if I have found favour, um, and there's a big question mark for Moses here, you know, have I really found favour? Because when you think about the favour that he has experienced, uh, there's a number of things going on. There's firstly the, the big thing about him encountering God on the mountain, being called by God in a burning bush, seeing the miracles of God as he uh, performed the things that God told him to do. Uh, so he's been uh, right at the front end, on the front line of the work of God. That's an incredible position of favour. The downside to that is, and there is a downside, the here he is, he's alone, he's trying to, he's struggling with these people. And what have they done? We've seen week in, week out, they've done nothing but grumble to him and about him. So is it really a favour from God to be leading his people? He probably thinks, wow, is it? I don't know. Uh, so the favour here is, is a, it's it's a mixture of things. It's, it's not simply favour of God is not about an easy life. The favour of God is about discovering purpose. It's about discovering God's will for your life and God enabling you to uh, live out that life. So uh, whenever we talk about God's favour being upon someone, it's not about an easy life. 
certainly wasn't for Moses. And then in verse 13, uh, Moses says, Lord, teach me your ways. And there's a couple of things here as well. What's he say? He says, teach me your ways so that I may know you. This is not just about learning how to best behave. This is about Moses discovering more about this God who knows him personally, intimately and deeply. Um, because we discover something about people, don't we, by learning how they like things done. Uh, you know, a married couple, newly married couple, they have to learn how each other likes things to be done. Uh, and in doing so, they learn about the person. Uh, and here Moses is saying, teach me your way so that I may know you uh, and continue to find favour with you. You know, Moses here is, is really looking for more than um, just a, a, a teaching session. He wants to continue in the role and the task that God has given him to discover more about God uh, and also discovering about the way, the direction that these people should go. Uh, I said on Sunday, you know, they'd been to the edge of the promised land. That was the land they were aiming for. And now where were they, where were they meant to go? Where in all of this area in which they covered, where are they going to settle? Of course, they don't settle for 40 years. Uh, each and every day, God leads them and guides them. And uh, they just wander the desert. But it's guided by God. It is not simply an aimless wandering. It is guided by God. And then verse 14 to 17, we see Moses again asking the question. Because what we see in verse uh, 14, is it? Yeah, in verse 14, the Lord says, uh, and the NIV has it as this, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Uh, the actual Hebrew says, my presence will go. Wow, okay, so is it really with you? And I'm wondering here whether Moses is looking for clarification. Are you going to you know, kind of just shoot off into the distance? Are you going to be just gone? Or are you going to lead us? Are you going to actually still be with us? Um, and of course, what we as the, the conversation plays out, God affirms that. Uh, so there is a kind of uncertainty here for Moses. And um, so God says, my presence will go. And in that presence, you'll find rest. And I would encourage you to listen to what I said on Sunday about that. Uh, and then what we see here is uh, Moses asking uh, God for his presence for a particular reason. So that people may know who they belong to. That they may be distinguished from every other tribe, every other nation. Because they have the presence of God in their midst. Uh, and that is something that's really important for all of us, that the presence of God is something that defines us and determines who we are. And Moses is very conscious of that. Uh, for every tribe and nation at the time, the whole sense of national identity was tied up with the gods whom they worshipped. And that is no different for the people of Israel. Here they are, they are deeply connected to this God. And Moses is determined that they are defined by that relationship. They are marked out by the presence of God. And it is in that presence they find rest. And as that conversation goes on, the Lord says to Moses, I will do 
the very thing you have asked. God says to Moses, he clarifies the situation here. Yes, I am going to go with you. As you have asked, I am not going to leave you. Um, and he says that because he's pleased with Moses. He's not necessarily pleased with all the people because they've been worshipping golden calves and grumbling and moaning and being generally pains in the neck. Uh, but here it's because he is pleased with Moses. Moses who sought God, who truly wanted to worship God and truly wanted to serve God. Uh, that alone was the thing that allowed the whole people of God to experience the presence of God in their life, which I found incredibly powerful and an incredible sign of the grace of God towards the people of Israel. And of course, we know from uh, right at the end of Exodus, um, it says that, uh, let me read it, it says, that in all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it did lift. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during all of their travels. God was true to his word. He was with them every step of that journey. He led them, he guided them. Uh, and there was at no point in that time that they were never aware of the presence of God. Isn't that incredible to know? That they could see, they had a tangible sense of the presence of God in their midst. All they had to do was look at the tabernacle or look at the head of the convoy they were in and they would see the presence of God. So let's turn to verses uh, 18 onwards because this is a shift in the story here, isn't it? Uh, and Moses, uh, encouraged by this conversation with God, kind of pushes things another step further because here he says, Lord, show me your glory. This is a huge ask. This is something different from experiencing something of the presence of God, as I'll explain in a moment. Uh, and it's important here to recognise that uh, what Moses is asking for is something that very few people have ever seen. It's one thing to see a cloud as a symbol of the presence of God. Here is something else to see the glory of God. Because the glory of God is effectively the full manifestation of who God is. It is God as he truly is, not in any way hidden, not in any way kind of reduced or limited. This is God in all of his glory as he truly is. His full nature, his full character, his full majesty, his full beauty. Nothing restricted or confined or constrained. And uh, we, we see here that God says, you know, it is impossible for you to see my glory and live. Um, or to see my face and live, I should say. So there's something here that's, that's different to the presence of God, isn't it? And I, I point out on Sunday that um, uh, we see him, uh, earlier in this chapter, that describes how Moses spoke to God face to face. Um, and here, God is saying, you can't see my face, or you can't see my face, if, but if you do, you'll die. Um, that's a, a contradiction, isn't it? 
But I think there's some things going on here that we just need to understand. Uh, firstly, I think um, God himself tells us something about what Moses experienced when he met with God face to face, which was in the tent of meeting. Uh, and so in uh, Numbers uh, 12, 8, um, there's a couple of things in that, but I would encourage you to look it up and read it. So this is God in Numbers 12, 8, talking to Aaron and Miriam uh, about Moses. And he says, you know, I meet him in the tent. Uh, and there I explain things clearly and he sees my form. Uh and that's in that's kind of indicative, I think, of what what the, the whole verse uh, earlier talking about where it says face to face. So in the tent, Moses is not seeing the full glory of God; he is seeing the form of the Lord. In other words, kind of an, an image, something less than the glory. This is something to protect Moses from being instantly killed by this incredible glory. Uh, so it's less than the full manifestation of God's presence. Uh, the word that's used for form kind of means image or likeness. So it's not the, it's not God himself, it's something less than that. It's still fully God, but it's kind of God through a veil. It's God hidden in some way. Uh, but there's also something there about how God speaks to Moses there, face to face, because he speaks clearly. And elsewhere says that he speaks as a friend. And that's important as well, I think, in this, that the whole face-to-face -face thing is something about the connection and how God views Moses and uh, talks to him like he talks to no one else. An interesting thing to also notice here is that uh, the Greek word, sorry, the Hebrew word for face is also translated presence. Um, and so when, you know, God says, you know, my presence will go with you, that could easily be translated as my face will go with you. Of course, if you see someone's face, you are, they are truly present to you. And so there's something of a, a kind of mixture of ideas and thoughts there that are all in this idea of, of Moses seeing God or meeting with God face to face. And here in this part of the story, the question is, will he see God's glory face to face? And of course, he can't do that. See, that's the shift between meeting God face to face in a tent where he's only seeing the form of God to here seeing God face to face in his full manifestation of his glory. And that can't happen. Uh, and so we have the whole story here of, of God putting him in a crack in the rock, etc., Let's just also look at what else he says here. Uh, God says, I will cause all my goodness to pass by. And his goodness is, is simply his whole character and his nature. He's talking here again about everything that he is. Uh, and he says, you know, I will proclaim my name. And we've already seen the importance of name because when God says to Moses, I know your name, he's saying, I know you. You know, you are, I know you intimately. I know you closely. This is God proclaiming who he fully is as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. So that Moses is getting an experience of God that no one else has ever experienced. 
God himself declaring something of who he is. And um, and that's, that's a, a deeply profound moment for Moses because here he is getting to know God in the way he's already asked for when he says, teach me your ways. But then God kind of changes that kind of uh, conversation a little bit. Uh, and so in, in verse uh, 19, he says, I will have compassion on whom I have compassion uh, and mercy on whom I have mercy. And that seems to be a, a kind of little bit of a shift in that dialogue. But what God's saying there is that, uh, you know, I am sovereign. And the reason I'm doing this is not because I'm obliged to answer your question, but because I'm choosing to do this. And so those ver that verse is quoted in Romans 9, verse 15. And that passage is all about the sovereignty of God. God choosing to do what he wants to do. He's not obliged to anyone. He's not bound by anyone or anything other than his own character and his own words. And so he's choosing here to, to give to Moses something that only one other person experiences. And I'll get onto that in a minute. And so uh, we see he places Moses in the, in the crack in the rock. He covers Moses' face walks by and as Moses uh, looks around as God removes his hand all he sees is the back of God um, and I talk about the the, the the theological truth of that in the sermon on Sunday which I would encourage you to uh, to watch where we actually for many of us only understand God's presence as we look back it's not always now as we we long for God's presence in particular situations and circumstances uh, and we long to know what God's up to well sometimes we don't get to know that it's only as we look back and so our experience of God's presence is always limited sometimes it's retrospective it's always shrouded in mystery it is always in some way imperfect in this life but of course someone else has this experience and that's uh, Elijah Elijah also has this experience of seeing something of the glory of God. And I just think it's fascinating that in Luke 9, when Jesus goes up the mountain and is transfigured, who is it who stands with him? It is the two people who have seen the very glory of God or something of that glory, Moses and Elijah. So there we are, that's the passage. Uh, let's think a little bit about what it all means for us now as we go a little bit wider. So let's just pick up on some of those things. Uh, and I'm not gonna touch on the things that I talked about in my sermon, okay? Because uh, we'll just be too long here. Uh, but let's, let's focus on a few things. First of all, God knows your name. When God says, I know your name to Moses, he knows your name too. Uh, and so we, we see in um, Isaiah 49, 16, you know, God says, I engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your name is there written into his palms. It's something that is saying uh, about his relationship with you. He knows you intimately. He knows you better than you know yourself. God knows you in the same way that he knows Moses. There is nothing that he doesn't know about you. And uh, that might freak you out as you think about all the things that you've done wrong. That might uh, frighten you when you think about some of the things that you've done wrong. 
but God knows you and still loves you. In fact, God knows what you will do. God knows how you will behave in the future and still loves you and still chooses you to serve him because he knows that he can turn you around and enable you to live a life that is holy and true. I just want to pick up also on that whole idea of God teaching us his ways. I love that prayer from Moses, you know, Lord, teach me your ways. We are all of us trying to work out how we take the, the truths of scripture and apply them to our lives. And we constantly need the work of God in us to enable us to do that. And so, you know, the Holy Spirit is described by Jesus as our teacher. It's not that he teaches us anything separate from scripture, but he teaches us what scripture means. And we need to be able to rely on God to teach us how we should live in these days. And that's so important, isn't it, as we kind of work out what's going on in society at the moment. And it's, it's you know, there's a lot of difficult things in society. And uh, we've got to try and live in this in a way that allows people to see the, the difference Christ makes. And so each and every one of us, it is incumbent upon us to ask God, teach us your ways. How should we live now in this generation, in this day and age? Uh, and I would encourage you to make that your prayer. Lord, teach me your ways and to trust that the Holy Spirit will continually teach you. I would encourage you as well to, to seek and to ask for the presence of God in your life. Some people get confused about that. You know, God is with you. Absolutely. God, I believe God is actually with everyone. But some of us at different times become more aware of that, that presence, don't we? Or sometimes God makes his presence known to us in more tangible ways. And I think there are kind of different levels of experiencing the presence of God. And we actually see that here with Moses, don't we? They are led by the cloud of, uh, and the fire. That's the presence of God. Whenever Moses met with God in the tent of meeting, that cloud rested on the tent. God's presence was there. But then there was another level of God's presence when uh, Moses asked to see his glory. We each have these kind of different levels of experience and we can seek more of God's presence in our life. And that's what Moses is effectively doing here. Lord, I want more of you in my life. I want to experience more of who you are. I want to get to know you better. Not just to read about you in the book. I want to get to know you better. Let that be your prayer. And it's not just about so, so that you may find favor with God uh, or how you might live. It's simply so you can get to know God. But within that, we also need to understand and live with the limitations and the mysterious nature of God's presence. Because we've all experienced, haven't we? We found ourselves in difficult places and we've asked for God to be with us in some way. And it's felt like that he isn't. But we look back later and he is. We live with something of a mystery here. There are times in our life when it feels like God's just far away. And uh, one old writer described it as the dark night of the soul. And it feels like God's just distant. And then there are times when it feels like we're on the mountaintop with Jesus as he's transfigured and we're experiencing something brand new. There are ups and downs and the, 
there are kind of ebbs and flows of God's presence in our life. And we need to learn to live with the mystery of that. To pray for more, to ask God that we might experience more of him in our life, but to also live with the mystery. And sometimes we don't always understand truly what God is doing or where God is until after the event, as he removes his hand from our eyes and we see his back. So let me give you some questions to reflect on either on your own or in your missional communities. So I would encourage you if you're not in a missional community to, to please think about joining one. Uh, they are so important to, to help you live out your life, to for support and encouragement, to help you learn, but most importantly, to, to join with others, to think about how you might bring the gospel of Christ to others. That's you know one of the key purposes of missional communities. So what are the questions? Well, first of all, uh, let me just encourage you to, to share stories of God's presence in your life. Maybe of times he's guided you, protected you, taught you. Maybe times when you've experienced almost tangibly the presence of God. Just tell each other stories. You know, there's nothing better than hearing what God is doing in other people's lives. If you're not in a mission community, just reflect on your own stories. Think about what God has done. Think about how he has been present in your life. Second question is this. What helps you become more aware of God's presence? You know, sometimes we get so caught up with life, so busy, that even just the simplest thing, just stopping, just being still for a moment and taking the time. But there are other things as well. What helps you become more aware of God's presence in your life? Third question. Uh, what do you think might be the things that hinder you experiencing God's presence? There can be lots of them, can't there? Uh, so just reflect on that and share what you think it might be because that what you share might help someone else. And the final question is this. God's presence is always mysterious, isn't it? Uh, so it can't be easily defined, can't always be easily uh, controlled. How do we live with that mystery? How do we live with the sense that sometimes God feels very present and sometimes hardly at all? How do we live with the mystery of God's presence? So there's uh, some questions for you to reflect on. I think that last one's a bit more difficult, but I would encourage you to try and engage with it because it is actually learning to live with the mystery that enables us to, to be far more content with where we are with God. So I would encourage you to reflect on that together. So that's the end of our deeper today. Uh, do please join us on Sunday. We are e uh, either uh, in church or you can join us online either way. And uh, then join us next Tuesday for the next edition of Deeper. Stay safe and we'll see you then. Bye.